you can't just hand it to him when he's had two weeks with the playbook before they get to Spartanburg. Mm-hmm. You had to give him time to learn. And I think one of the things hearing from Matt Rule and hearing from Ben McAdoo is how impressed they were with how quickly he learned. And, and it has to do with, like you said, the four different offensive coordinators. He's had time and time to really build the repetition. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour podcast. Will is on special assignment this week once again. So we have got the incredible Augusta Stone here with me and Darren. For the second week in a row, Augusta, it's great to have you. It's always great to be here. I'm excited to be, you know, it's my third appearance now, I think. Yes. So, you know... Getting, getting into the swing of it. I'm always happy to be here. How is everybody? Oh, well, we're good. I mean, it's an exciting development because we are coming to you from Charlotte for the first time in a long time. We are all sleeping in our actual beds at our actual homes um, for the first time in quite a bit. Darren, how good does it feel? It, it's pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. There was about 36 hours there where I was walking down to my basement wondering where the guy at the omelet station was <laughs> and and why I wasn't wearing the same set of clothes every day uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's. Good to be home, but it's also one of the things you lose sight of when you're down there is when we're in training camp mode and on the road, all we have to do is work. And then you come home and it's like the fence is falling down. You got to call a guy about that. You know, the, your kids have appointments. You got to talk, you know, all the real life stuff that we were able to forget about for a month all of a sudden is a thing again. So it never really stops. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. All right, we're going to get right into it because we have got a lot of news to talk about. Some of it good, some of it not so good. But we we got to start with quarterback news, quarterback news. I was trying to do my, yes, I was trying to do a a little big voice guy there. Um, All right, Baker Mayfield was announced as the starter for week one, officially ending weeks and weeks of speculation. Darren, how? How long in advance had you written that article? No, <laughs> I'm know, just kidding. The, I'm kidding. The thing about it is, and, and it's interesting, I was doing a hit on Sirius last night uh, with Alex Marvez and Ryan Leaf, and they, they basically asked, how serious was this competition? And I said, listen, everybody expected Baker to win it, but they wanted to see him win it yes, first. Yes, absolutely. They wanted his, you know, Sam was like the baseline, and it's they felt all right with Sam. If they hadn't made the deal, they would have gone the season with Sam starting. So they needed to see something more than that. And I think after a couple of weeks of training camp, you started to see it. I mean, Baker is um, is a guy who is a little more willing to take chances. He's moving the ball downfield. But about two weeks into camp, you started seeing it click. And you started to see him do things where it's like, okay, that's what he needs to do to be the guy and not just win the job, but be successful in it. I mean, I think, you know, working with the first offensive line, being able to throw to DJ Moore instead of the second and third groups of receivers made a huge difference. And I think at about that two-week mark of camp is where you saw, okay, this is probably where this is pointed. And, and also just getting comfortable with the offense. So he got here a couple weeks before training camp. I asked Ben McAdoo, I said, you know, when do guys get comfortable in your offense, specifically quarterbacks? And he was like, you know, it's not really until their junior year, yeah. <laughs> really, that I would say they have a full mastery. Um, and then what Baker had in Cleveland, four different offensive coordinators in four years. So he's certainly well-versed in how to do this. But I think we also take that for granted a little bit, Augusta, just – 
how long it takes to to feel somewhat comfortable in a brand new offense. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. It took him time to learn. Like, you can't come in, even though, obviously, you acquire Baker Mayfield, to play Baker Mayfield. You don't just get him and trade for him, not to play for him. So, logically speaking, it makes sense. that. But, but at the same time, like, you can't just hand it to him when he's had two weeks with the playbook before they get to Spartanburg. Mm-hmm. And so, you had to give him time to learn. And I think one of the things, hearing from Matt Rule and hearing from Ben McAdoo, is how impressed they were with how quickly he learned. Yep. How quickly he picked everything up. You know, he's... And, and it has to do with, like you said, the four different offensive coordinators. He's had time and time to, to really build the repetition. And, you know, it wasn't going to be handed to him, but but being a quick learner, having that Baker Mayfield moxie, that the word that we've talked about, it's just one of those things where he came in and now he's already showing that command and he's really, he, he has that mojo and he has the chemistry and he's, he's building on it. But um, even like he told us this week, you know, he still has room to grow as well, but he definitely took some time to, to learn everything. And in training camp, taking those reps, splitting them with Sam Darnold, I think it was helpful. Yeah. And, and the thing that'll stand out to me about this training camp experience they are extremely lucky that Sam Darnold is the caliber of human being he is mm-hmm. because this should have been awkward. This should have been cringy to watch, and it never was. And I think people kept watching for it to be difficult, and it never was because Sam and Baker both were just such adults about this thing and I mean it's weird that we consider that unusual because that ought to be a baseline for society but it's not always and it's just listen Sam's bummed out that he's not the starter he's still a little salty uh in the right way but he is also going to be a good teammate throughout this thing I mean like I said there was that point I remember that one specific day where they were doing two-minute stuff at the end of game, and Baker and Sam both got him into the end zone that day. But when Baker throws a little catch-and-run to DJ for a touchdown, Sam was back at the huddle pumping his fist. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was fired up for Baker. So that makes everything around the rest of the roster go a little bit more smoothly because and Matt Rule talked about it the other day. He said, if a guy comes up to me asking for more reps, all I got to do is point to those two guys and say, look at how they handled it. Look at what they did. And so I, I think for the function of the team as a whole, having Sam being as mature about this as he's been is going to help them not only through a transition, but also if Sam ends up playing again. Because Listen, Sam became a pinata last year, I think, to a lot of people for reasons that didn't have anything to do with Sam. I mean, Mm. Christian gets hurt. You fire an offensive coordinator in the middle of the year, 14 lines in 17 games. There was a lot of stuff beyond his control. And when things were going well, Sam was okay. So I think having him around in that role helps them both in terms of the locker room and what they've got in a backup quarterback now. Have you guys ever watched Great British Bake Off? I promise this is going somewhere. (laughs) I totally have. Love it. The one thing I love about that show, it is so soothing to me, is that it is a very high-stakes competition, especially in Britain. Everyone watches it. You know, like the royal family is watching. Everyone watches it. And they are competing at, at the highest level, right? But they are so nice to each other because they know that they are competing with themselves more so than with the other people, right? If, if I perform to the best of my ability, I don't need to take you down, right? I can be supportive. I want you to do well. I, I want me to do well, right? And so I got I to gotta figure out what I need to do. 
And I got that vibe from both of those guys. And Darren, you just talked about what an adult Sam was. I think Baker would have been the same adult Mm -hmm. had it gone a different way. And I know we've talked about it. You know, if you watch Camp Confidential, you will see this this friendship that is formed between them. But I mean, guys, when the cameras aren't rolling, we've seen it, right? We're traveling. I mean, they're making jokes with each other. They're laughing. And that's not to say that the competitive spirit wasn't there all throughout training camp. We all saw it. But just what a... What a lovely way to handle, as you said, Darren, what is an awkward situation? No doubt. And and again, that is genuine. And I I love what Confidential shows. I mean, because you see those little interchanges, the interplay when they're not on the field and in different scenes. So it's refreshing, I think, for society to think, hey, we can all get along. Mm -hmm. It, It can work. We can get together and compete for things and still be nice. I like it. So so let's uh, go to the second piece of quarterback mm-hmm. news, which um, unfortunately isn't as great, and that is that Matt Corral got injured, uh, tore the Liz Frank ligament in his left foot during the Patriots game and was officially placed on injured reserve yesterday, effectively mm-hmm. ending his season. Uh, Darren, you wrote the articles, and it just – it just felt just like bad luck, yeah. man. I it, was out on the field when when it happened. When he was getting checked out, and it's just man. No one ever, no one ever puts enough emphasis on what a role luck plays in the NFL. I mean, some things are just bad breaks, and people want to yell about this or that or the other. Uh, sometimes you get fallen upon. Sometimes you get stepped on. Sometimes you run into someone at the wrong angle, and you're down. And it's unfortunate for Matt. I mean, realistically. I, I think this was going to – even if he'd have been on the 53-man roster all year, I don't know how much he would have played. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been late, if at all, is my guess. Um, he needs time, and, and he gets time now to learn and kind of absorb what it's like being in an NFL system. Unfortunately, it's while he's also rehabbing from a, a pretty dramatic foot injury, which is tough for him. Um, but I – I don't know that it changes the trajectory of his rookie season that much because this was going to be a year to sit and watch anyway, mm-hmm. and that's good for everybody. I mean, you talk about McAdoo. He was in Green Bay with some cat named Aaron Rodgers. I've now, heard of him. Now, neither Baker Mayfield nor Sam Darnold is Brett Favre, but the ability to sit back and not have to do the thing immediately is good for any rookie at any position, I think, really. And – it's um you know it's tough. It's unfortunate that he's hurt. Um, they're going to put stuff around him to support him, you know, through the injury and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, he's going to go about the business of being on the chalkboard, being in the meetings, watching the film with those guys all year, and getting more comfortable with NFL offense. Yeah, Darren, that was something that I asked you about. I'm glad you brought it up, but um, I asked you about it yesterday, and I said. What if if you want him to learn how to be to be in a huddle to get under center all of those things? How much does it change that trajectory? Can can you get a good grasp on all of that stuff with those mental reps, as we call it, um, while you are rehabbing? And you said just like you said here, which I felt very heartened. I'm sure the fans feel very heartened about is that. Uh, yeah, he can still do all those things, right. and and hopefully by the time his rehab is is complete. He's not as far off as um, as he might have been in getting a chance to to sit on the bench and watch. Right. And and I thought one of the one of the things people overlook about rookie quarterbacks, especially coming into the NFL, is there there are certain parts of the job description that Matt Corral's never done, like 
get under center, mm-hmm. put a team in a huddle. And, and it's the, just, it just wasn't his right, offense in just college. Mechanically, he never did that in college. So, of course, he's taken some time to get used to that part of it during training camp. But that part he'll miss, but all the stuff in the meeting room will be there. All the stuff with Baker, with Sam over the course of the year, he'll still be around for that. And, and I think he's going to benefit from it because, again, I think, the expectation game is probably the most difficult part for so many people because when you hear of a guy who some people thought was going to be a first-round pick or this or that or the other, you know, they think, oh, well, he must be ready to go right off the bat. Very few people are ready to go right off the bat, especially at that position. So I, I just think this kind of gives it an opportunity to be where it probably should have been to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, first and foremost, we want all the best for him and are wishing him all the luck on his uh, rehab journey. But, Darren, as you mentioned in uh, the articles that you wrote about this, this also does change some roster math yeah, a little bit, adds a wrinkle into it. And, and both of you have been covering, OK, what does this what is what do we think this roster is going to look like by final cuts next Tuesday? So I thought that'd be a, a great segue into where are we, guys? What are you both looking at when it comes to position groups or players? And and what should we be keeping an eye on over the next week? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, the most direct impact on uh, of the Matt Corral injury is on like Richard Higgins and Julian Stanford and Sean Chandler and people like that, right? I mean, not having to keep a third quarterback basically gives you another spot for something else. And we've talked a good bit about wide receivers this year, probably Mm -hmm. one of the most competitive groups. There's like eight guys for six jobs or seven, depending on where you count Andre Roberts. Not really a receiver, but he's a return guy they want to keep. So I I think, you know, it's really twisted. And I I hate saying it because it's horrible for Matt, but it does open some doors for other guys. Anytime there's injuries, the roster math changes. But – when they were going to have to keep three quarterbacks, that was one less of something else. Mm-hmm. That's a, a tenth offensive lineman or a sixth linebacker or a tenth DB. And, and now it opens the door, and there's a lot of stuff going into this last game that's still kind of up in the air. And Augusta, what have you identified um, in terms of guys, you know, the, the Shai Smith we were just talking about? You tell me what you're looking at and what you're hearing. Exactly. Well, I think there's so many receivers, like Darren just mentioned, just across the board, especially, I mean, there's been so many injuries in camp, which is going to happen either way, but because you've had guys like Robbie Anderson um, just sideline for a minute, you get to see more of certain guys. You see more of Rashard Higgins, who that he gets so many reps, it feels like, you know, they're really like wanting to see. And then I think he benefits as well from Baker being QB1, just because they have that Browns connection. One thing that both Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo, we were sitting in our pre season uh, TV meetings and we you know went through the the receivers and they both they were not in the meetings together right they each have their own time slot first word that they used to describe Rashard Higgins was savvy mm-hmm. he's just savvy he just finds ways to get open he uses his experience uh, we've seen him with that connection with Baker Augusta as you were just saying we saw him catch a touchdown pass from Sam in the first preseason game I mean it's just he just has that innate ability to 
be a wide receiver. You know, exactly. it's almost like maturity too, because he's one of the yeah. older guys on the roster, and that's something. I mean, it's a very young roster in general, mm-hmm. so I feel like there's benefits to that as well. Um, but yeah, Shy Smith, I feel like the camp that he's had just it can't be talked about enough. He's just had such a good camp. He's been uh, lining up in the slot. He's been. Uh, taking back kicks he's been taking back punts now and um, that's something Matt Rule said you know they like to see in these preseason games because it's kind of hard for them to replicate it in practice so he's been returning punts and that's something you know um, with Andre Roberts out with uh, CJ Saunders who was taking a lot of those reps out um, until this week you know he's he's kind of stepped up there so Shai Smith is really making himself versatile and useful across all of it I think it was Matt Rule yesterday said that he's competing for a starting role even you know he's he's one of those guys that they just really seen a lot from so there's a lot of receivers I think there's a lot of good cornerback depth ironically because you know they're adding people but uh I feel like Tay Hayes is one of those guys who's probably a cusp guy that they were excited about the team loves him first of all at practice oh my goodness you hear Tay Tay they love him they were so excited for the picks I mean but how, how could you not be but in the New England game just that incredible play that he made the sideline erupted, and I'd say for like a good five minutes. Like it was just, they were so excited for him. And you can tell, Augusta, exactly what you said is who are the guys that, that make that locker room better, that just add a lot that we don't even see beyond the plays. But yeah, he's always making a play. It, it was such a neat scene. And one of my favorite things, uh, Chanel Smith Walker and Kenny Richmond, our photographers, Nailed it. There were two parts of that play that I love. Number one, Tay Hayes is just stiff-arming Bailey Zappi's helmet off. And, poor, poor Bailey Zappi. Yeah, poor Bailey. Well, he deserved it because he put <laughs> 59 on Appalachian State in the Boca Raton Bowl last year, and I'm still not over it. Um, and then Davion Nixon picks him up in the air. It's like in Dirty Dancing. With, you know, he's holding him up in midair. It's, it, it was just such a neat scene. And, and I love the fact that our photographers had both of those shots. I mean, it was just perfect because it was just a great moment for Tay. And, you know, he's a guy who has inserted himself into conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean, that cornerback room's as deep as anything on this roster going into camp. And, you know, he sort of made himself a guy you look at and say, what do you do with this one? Look, And yes, and the roster is deep, but there have been some injuries over the course of camp. You know, Keith Taylor is back now. C.J. Henderson is back. But you, you can never I – would, I would say that uh, Phil Snow would say probably you could never have enough, enough depth at corner, yeah. right? The secondary in general. Now, of course, it all goes back to roster math. He can't keep everybody. Right. But yes, exactly. Like you said, there are these guys that um, force themselves into the conversation because of the play that they have day in and day out, and it's fun to watch them. Yeah, it's complicated. Now, it makes it a nightmare this weekend because, like I said, the meetings Matt Rule and Scott Fitter are going to be having, you know, they're basically going to be deciding, okay, who do we need more, this 10th offensive lineman or this 6th linebacker? or the sixth or seventh receiver, and how do we count Andre and all the, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, and they've got to, they've got to get rid of 27 people from this roster in the next five days, basically. So that's going to be tough, and it's, it's creating a lot of anxiety uh, down there on the second floor where they're making those decisions. And, you know, to sit here and say we know exactly what they're going to do at most of these spots, you can't right now. And I, and I think a lot of it's going to be determined of if there are any more injuries, how long is certain guy going to be out uh, if he's injured right now. And, and I think there's still a good number of positions where 
uh, to steal one of Dave Gettleman's lines, the answer might not be on the roster. Mm. So, I mean, especially like defensive tackle, defensive end, those are probably places where they still need help from outside and are going to be looking around to see who gets cut, who can be traded for, that kind of thing. But but even with that, you know, Matt Rule talked about that a couple times over the last couple of weeks, which is over the last two years since he's been here, team has uh, been looking a lot more at the 53 cut, you know, looking to pick guys up, and he said – you know, we're not in, we have depth right, right now, which is a great thing. And it does, but it does create a lot of anxiety. I would not want to be the people making those decisions yeah. because it's, it's people's livelihoods. It's um, people's futures. And there is a big sense of responsibility. And there's also, you know, a, a big sense of responsibility in terms of, okay, we can't know what's going to happen, but we have to put this person in over this person and hope that it's the right decision. So what do they say? As with great power comes great responsibility. And, you know, by having all of this depth and these guys competing at so many different spots, it is tough to make the cut here. I feel like this is in honor of Will. I looked this up this morning. You talk about depth and how difficult these decisions are and how you, you know, you alluded to what Matt said about wanting to keep the guys who are already here rather than picking through the waiver wire. A year ago, they go out and claim Michael Jordan off waivers mm-hmm. at final cuts, and he ends up starting most of the season for them. They've got, among their backup offensive linemen, 45 starts in the regular season last year alone. Mm-hmm. When you go through Cam Irving, Michael Jordan, Dennis Daly, uh, Bradley Bozeman, Sam Tecklenburg, all started games. Yeah. None of those guys are on the starting line right now. And compare that to the spot the Carolina Panthers were in a year ago – when it's, hi, my name is, congratulations, you're starting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's night and day. It, it really is. So, Darren, as you said, this all, there's a lot of questions still to be answered. A lot of guys can, can make a final push with this third preseason game. It's going to be at home, Bank of America Stadium. Oh, it feels so good to say that. You know, first two preseason <laughs> games were on the road. This one is at home Friday night against the Bills. Augusta, you just wrote the article, The Five Things to Watch on Panthers.com. Go check it out, everybody. That's a plug. Um, what is what is standing out to you? Who are we looking at to make the push beyond what we've already talked about? How much are we going to see of people? Yeah, so we will see all the starters for at least a quarter, which is very exciting considering we didn't see any of them except for one of my people to watch, uh, Iki Aquanu and Brady Christensen. They mm-hmm. did play um, just building that chemistry on the left side of the offensive line. They were the only, as if I'm correct, they were the only starters to play um, against the Patriots because the rest of them, you know, it was a twos and threes kind of night. Yep. But um, we'll see all the starters, so we'll see them kind of building back up their chemistry. I think... I think um, the first preseason or the second preseason game, the first for Icky as the official starting left tackle, was a big learning moment. That's what we've heard from from Matt Rule and Icky himself. You know, he's just he's looking to to almost you know if you're going to make mistakes, the time to learn is in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And I think these next two or this the past game and then this next one is a good opportunity for him to continue to learn from Brady Christensen, who has a year up on him. But I mean, even still, it's a valuable year to learn from someone um, along the offensive line. So I'm excited. Excited to see, you know, the starters and especially on offense, seeing Baker, you know, build the connection with Pat Elfline at center. That's something that he's been talking about a lot. We've seen them kind of building up through through practice this week. You know, which receivers we get to see, who's who's healthy, who's not. Will we see Terrace Marshall? Will we see Robbie Anderson? Um, but I'm really excited too, just just to see um that that growth from from Icky and just, you know, 
what what he's able to do, I think, um, there. I think that's what I'm really looking forward to, to seeing. But, yeah, at least a quarter is what we've been told that we'll see. So. Yeah, and, it, and Icky needs to buckle up because when this thing gets real in a couple of weeks, that guy over there, that's Miles Garrett. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go get him. Mm-hmm. Have fun. You know, let's keep Baker on his feet so he can do the thing that people want to see Baker do. Um, it's going to be tough, and, and Icky's got lessons to learn. You could sort of see on one of those sacks the other night against the Patriots, when it's over, him and Brady are talking to each other, basically talking about how to pass off twists and stunts. And it, it, when guys go between two offensive linemen and then they turn and start talking to each other, you realize kind of where that was born from and getting getting that communication down with him and every – rep those two take next to each other in a game setting is good and that's why I think you saw them play into the second quarter when some of the other starters were done the other night they want to put those two together and listen Icky and Christensen next to each other could be a thing for a long time Mm -hmm. so get those two on the same page Get them a quarter and change out here against the Bills, and then every practice rep going into Buffalo or going into Cleveland game. That's all you. And and I would just point out too that they were playing against the Patriots' mm-hmm. starting defense right. in in that first quarter as well. Yeah. And you know it's uh, they wanted to get Icky once he got that starting left tackle spot. I mean he did the joint practices with the rest of the starters, which we mm-hmm. saw those guys get. That first practice was two hours and forty five minutes, and I think the second one was two and a half hours and it was it was live reps yeah. the entire time a lot of two minutes so he did all of that and then he came out with the starters before the Patriots game as, as Augusta said most of the starters did not play except for those two guys he came out and did a practice mm-hmm. with the starters and then went and played the first half of uh, of this game and then we're yeah. going to see him a lot so they are just throwing everything at him and saying all right this is the starting left tackle role let's see what Go you get do it. here yes absolutely uh, anything else that we're looking at in this game, Darren? You know, I, I'm I'm still curious to see, and this is wonky, but I watch special teams personnel, mm-hmm. and you see who's going to be those core guys for Chris Tabor. And there are certain guys, Brandon Smith has showed up through the preseason. He's a guy who's probably not going to get a lot of time on defense because they've got an established core of veteran linebackers, but he's shown up in the kicking game. There are certain guys like Stanley Thomas Oliver, like um, – Keith Taylor has been one of those guys, has been a, a good special teamer. Spencer Brown was getting a lot of run yeah. before he gets hurt. So kind of the that's one of the hidden things about roster construction over the next five, six days is Chris Tabor's got to put a punt team on the field. Mm-hmm. And who's going to be on it? I mean, it, Frankie Louvu was one of those guys a lot last year. He's going to be playing an expanded role on defense. Can you really commit to having Frankie out there for four special teams? Maybe not. So I, I think watching how that stuff comes together is going to be kind of an important piece of this puzzle, too. And Chris Tabor told, told me that um, – he thinks for a special teams coach, the preseason is the hardest time because you're trying to see mm-hmm. exactly what you just said, Darren. You're trying to see who's going to fit in there and then also have they got enough playing time to show what yeah. they could do? How do they fit in on the defense? All the things, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that on Friday. Guys, this was fun. It was great to be back here in Charlotte. 
was uh, oh, Darren. I feel this like you got not, something to say. Is, no, it's like this is not my beautiful house. Where am I? <laughs> this is where are we supposed to be? We're actually back in Charlotte. It's a good thing. It is. It is. And hope to see all of you at the game on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Happy Half Hour podcast. We'll see you next time.